everybody, welcome back to the D-Program. Today we have uh, with us a, an esteemed guest, uh, Torko Lawson, who is a longtime anti-imperialist activist and writer. Uh, he has spent many years in prison for his militant activities prior as a member of the Danish, communi- of a Danish communist cell. Uh, he's also the author of many great works, including The Principal Contradiction, Unequal Exchange and the Prospects of Socialism, and uh, The Global Perspective, Reflections on Imperialism and Resistance, all of which are highly recommended reading. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Lawson, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Uh, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your personal political journey? Sure, and thank you for uh, inviting me for this uh, for this uh, conversation. Yeah. Well, I'm an old man. I'm uh, I'm just past uh, seventy, so um, I grew up in uh, in the in the capitalist welfare state of of uh, Denmark in the. 1950s and uh, and uh, 60s, uh, it was time of the youth uh, uh, revolution here in Europe, also, and in uh, in America, you know, with uh, rock music and Bob Dylan and the and the Vietnam War. But the the revolutionary uh, global wave of the 60s also reached the, the provincial uh, cities of uh, of Denmark when I was around. 18 or 19 years old, I, I was a, in, a, in a boarding school and was introduced to to uh, Marxism by by a friend in, in in the boarding school, and I was rather quickly affiliated to uh, to a, a, a communist uh, organization as a as a sympathizer, and it was a very interesting organization because it it consisted of, of very dedicated and very Serious people, and, and that uh, uh, attracted me. You know, uh, politics had a first priority in in uh, their life. Mm-hmm. So, in, in in the next few years, I I learned really a lot, uh, both on the theoretical side. I we had good uh, lectures and good uh, uh, introduction. We read the capital. We had we had classes in in dialectic and political economy and so on, but certainly also on, on the practical side. Um, I started out participating with this group in, in direct action, uh, for instance, against the World Bank Conference in, in Copenhagen in 70, and also different kinds of, of uh, support to the Vietnamese uh, uh, struggle. But we wanted to, you know, extend this uh, support work to to the Vietnam to to other liberations uh, movement in tune with with uh, Che Guevara's uh, uh, call for creating not one uh, Vietnam but but, but several uh, uh, Vietnams. And uh, in that effort, we we uh, we started uh, traveling around at, uh, to meet different uh, liberation movement. Uh, to eye and see their their work and and uh, discuss with them to uh, to make a, a, a context and and select the organization which we would uh, focus on and we we went to to jordan to meet the palestines and lebanon and uh, we went to africa to mozambique angola and south africa and we also went to india and so on and we get contact with a lot of this um, liberations movement um, because already back in, I think it was uh, 66, uh, um, we, uh, we uh, developed the, the theory of, of the, the so-called parasite state. Uh, we found out, uh, we experienced that the support for, for liberation movements in our part of the world was, uh, was uh, limited, uh, and also the support for socialism was limited. Um, and uh, as we lived in um, in the imperialist center, uh, we benefited in in many ways from the exploitation of the, the third world, and we saw this as the the explanation for for this limited uh, support for for liberation struggle. Uh, so we said that uh, without a victory a victory in the third world, uh, there will be no socialism in, in our part of uh, the world. So we. Uh, Develop this dual strategy. On on one hand, we wanted to support the third world uh, liberation uh, struggle, and simultaneously, we wanted to to build a kind of organization 
which would be uh, ready when the uh, revolutionary situation again would occur in, in our part uh, of the world. Um, the support for the liberation movement uh, should be substantial and it should be uh, material. We said that uh, solidarity is something that uh, you can hold in your hand. Mm. So we, we develop both, uh, you know, legal uh, support work. Uh, we collected clothes and shoes and tents and, and medicine and, and we created also money through fleet markets for the liberation movement. However, we also used uh, different kinds of, of unlegal means, uh, robbery and, and fraud and so on. But we made it undercover as, as ordinary uh, crime, because if we have made a clear political statement, uh, we would have been forced underground very quickly and, and hunted down very fast as we were not the fish uh, in uh, the water. So due to this, um, undercover uh, tactic instead of going underground. We survived doing this for, for, for nearly 20 years and, and we managed to, to I think, uh, transfer substantial uh, means to, to different uh, liberation movement. Um, but however, due to uh, misfortunes and, and also small mistakes in, in, in the long run, we were finally disclosed in, in uh, 89 and uh, we ended up in, uh, in uh, a uh, prison uh, at least uh, six, seven, eight of us. And, um, but uh, to make the best of it, I, I, I turned my prison stay into some kind of, of field study of, of, the, of the prison life. You know, they observed me and I observed them. And, and that's where I don't, I didn't feel like a, a prisoner, but rather like a researcher in, in, uh, in a prison life, making field notes and interviews and, and, and so on. And, and I, uh, um, I made it into a, a book about prison life, which I published, uh, uh, when I was, uh, released. And while I was in prison, I also managed to, to, uh, uh, take a, a degree in, in the political science uh, from the from the, the cell. The, the university was actually very helpful. They came out to the prison when there were uh, exams. So uh, so I didn't waste my my uh, my time. So after my release, I have continued uh, po political work and supporting ancient uh, struggle. Mm. Uh, but I also use a lot of time on on uh, <laughs> writing articles and and uh, and uh, a, a book. So that's in short. Mm. Mm. A very thrilling one for sure. And I would I would also like to to add that in a very traditional communist spirit, when somebody ends up going to prison for a communist activity, they turn it into a learning experience <laughs> where they read and write books and research. <laughs> Which I think is very, very uh, uh, admirable. Yeah. Um, I would like to ask you, because throughout your works, um, from when you first came up with the concept, you and your group first came up with the concept of uh, the parasite state, uh, and then onward to the communist working group and your interactions with Argiri Manuel, you eventually graze and then afterwards wrote about the topics for example value transference some I mean, means works or unequal exchange particularly in the in emmanuel's tradition and then afterwards uh, discussions of labor aristocracy and whatnot from zach cope and and other related figures i'm wondering could you please give uh, give us an explanation as you would try to to your own countrymen who possibly are sympathetic to socialism but don't exactly understand these dynamics how would you define unequal exchange how would you define value transference and these other related topics yeah i will try to to make it um, uh, as, as, as simple well um, uh, it's it's important to understand uh, i think that 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 in, uh, imperialism has 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 always been a necessary part of of the of the of the capitalism the the the, col the colonialism from the time of of Columbus up to to the 19th um, uh, uh, century um, was 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 a necessary um, for for the breakthrough of uh, 
of the industrial uh, uh, capitalism, the gold and silver from, from Latin America um, was turned into to money, which was needed very much. It, it was part of, um, of the original, so-called original accumulation, to which, which started uh, the, the industrial uh, capitalism in, in, in uh, England. And imperialism has, has since that time also been a necessary um, um, mechanism for, for solving uh, the inherent contradiction in, uh, in, uh, uh, in uh, capitalism. Capitalism in need to survive, it, it has to grow, it has to accumulate uh, all the time. It, it, uh, it uh, cannot have degrowth, it must grow, uh, it, it, it's the only way it can, it, in, it, 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 it can uh, survive. And to, to sell all these product, uh, pro pro product they produce, they need to have a, a consumption power. And this is all, this is, have been a problem for, for capitalism always to have enough con consumption power. It's, it's not a problem to produce, it's a problem to uh, have not uh, enough people to to uh, buy the stuff because um, the more you want uh, pro profit the less you you give to uh, uh, wages and wages is a, is, is an essential part of the consumption power so this has always been a problem for uh, uh, capitalism but to solve this problem a transfer from value from outside solves the problem because it it's it's raises the, the profit and it also some of this profit can also go into higher wages for the workers in the imperialist center so they can buy the the profits and in this way they can have this dynamic capitalism in the center because it they can they can have higher profit and higher wages and on the other side you will have this um, dependent uh, capitalism in the periphery because uh, they are super e exploited. Their, their wages are actually below the value. So they cannot have a dynamic uh, capitalism. They can only have a capitalism which export raw materials and e export food for the imperialist uh, center and also the transfer of the, of the uh, value. So you have on on one side, super exploitation in the periphery, and you have a raising uh, wage level in in uh, the center due to this colonial uh, uh, st uh, structure. And this difference in in the uh, in the wage level, it it goes down to the products uh, which are produced in the center and in the colonial periphery. And when when they exchange uh, uh, products. Uh, in the 19th century, it was raw materials and, and, and food and, agricu and agricultural producer, uh, products from the, from the colonial um, uh, per periphery against uh, industrial pr uh, products from the center. When then exchange these, uh, these uh, uh, goods, there is a, a transfer of, uh, of value uh, from the periphery towards uh, the center. And this is unequal exchange. So it's based on a difference in, in uh, wage level and when you exchange uh, goods, there is a transfer of, of the value. Very, very nice and succinct explanation. Um, thank you for that. I, I would like to just tack on one, one question related to this um, because the analysis is fairly diverse depending on the way that it was, it's, it was carried out and what things are being looked at. Um, there are several, you mentioned a lot of these in your book, of course, and this just exists in, in if, if people are generally interested in this area and they read into it, they're going to find, you know, um, for example, Wallerstein's um, world systems theory. You can have, of course, like I mentioned, Emmanuel's uh, concepts of unequal exchange. You can have the work of Zach Cope and Samir Amin. Are all of these one coherent analysis that work together in tandem or are they separate parallel theories, all of which are, you know, sometimes in concordance with each other working together, and sometimes they uh, work against each other. What is your opinion? Well, um, you know, this, this theory of, of, or idea of unequal exchange, it, it, it uh, came out uh, in the 
in the middle, actually in, in 63, the first formulation was Emmanuel's in, in, in 63, but independent of him in other places, it, it, it also appeared in, in slightly different forms. Uh, I think Amin uh, formulated it, it in, uh, in, uh, in the 70 from Egypt and there are, there's also this, uh, Manini from uh, Brazil, he also uh, formulated, and Wallerstein did it uh, later, but they have different perspectives. For instance, Wallerstein's um, uh, world system theory is, is, is very much uh, based on, on state theory and the historical development of unequal exchange. So it's, it, it looks at it from the historical uh, point of the of the view, uh, Manini looks uh, at it from the actual the way uh, at uh, a dependent Latin America uh, developed its its special form of of the of the of capitalism and 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 uh, I think uh, Amin also was in in this way. You can also mention Andre Gunder Frank. But what is as I think special with Emmanuel is that 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 his uh, uh, development of the theory is in close connection with Marx's uh, uh, capital. He, he used the same methods and he a, a critique of the of the classic and and he also have his his starting point is the value theory the the labor value uh, theory. It is this which is the driving factor in developing um unequal exchange. So I, I, I think he's very close to the original core in Marxism, uh, das Kapital, and, and he, uh, he, his theory is very close uh, related to other, uh, uh, concepts in, in, uh, Marxism. So I, 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 I think that he, his kind of the, the basic unequal exchange and, and the other ones, it's, it's kind of, of the supplements and uh, mm. to, to to his way of of the of the thinking. Um, I would actually like to also um, ask you concerning your uh, connection with Emmanuel because it was a little bit deeper, you could say, than for example with uh, other writers. I know that you've had some interactions with Zach Cope. Uh, you've written several articles together, I believe. But for example, when it comes to specifically Argyri Emmanuel, could you just you give us a, a brief, like historical for the for general historical interest, uh, how that connection came to be, and then of course your collaboration that I think culminated at least in my introduction to these these concepts within Marxism, uh, being your, the fantastic work, the 1978 work, if I remember correctly, um, the um, unequal exchange in the prospects of socialism, which was a joint effort by by the, both sides. But could you please tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you. you when you mention Sarkovic, it's important to remember that 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 he is uh, he is forty years later <laughs> than, mm-hmm. than than uh, Emmanuel. He he's one of two g- generations uh, later, mm-hmm. so 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 it's very different. But um, actually, um, when we developed uh, the parasite theory in the mid sixties, it was very much uh, on the basis on uh, Lenin. Yeah. And, and, and uh, in that way, and, and, and actually to, to, uh, to, under, to underpin our parasite state theory, which was a political uh, uh, theory, we, we uh, wanted to update uh, uh, Lenin's uh, dates, uh, data in, in his famous book, Imperialism uh, as the High State of, of, uh, of uh, uh, Capitalism. And as we tried to do this, we, we and, and his, his uh, definition of the imperialism is very much that it's uh, in investment in, in the periphery or in the colonial area, and then they take back uh, super uh, profit. This is, this is the uh, basic of imperialist uh, ec- ec- economy. But when we calculated all this stuff um, and tried to update his data, we found out that they could not explain the huge difference in, in uh, living standard uh, between the imperialist center and the third world. 
So we started to look on other uh, theories, and this was a this was kind of a huge step because we were so uh, intrigued in an autopsy only to look at Marx and uh, uh, Lenin. But finally, we we looked at all the new theory which was popping up uh, in the late sixties, uh, and there we 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 uh, we. Um, we found uh, Emmanuel and we established contact with him in, in I think, 70, 74. We started to write letters and started to uh, visit him. And, and it was um, actually very interesting because uh, he maybe had a big impact and, and his book was uh, widely discussed when, when they came out in, in the beginning of, of the 70s. And, and and um, many articles was was uh, was written, but he has very very few political uh, friends and and political uh, allies. There were some academic people which which he did, discussed with, but but he was not a very popular figure in in France and 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 in in the academic world in in in, uh, in uh, Paris. But anyway, uh, we. Uh, we discussed. Uh, we have several meetings with him uh, through the years, and um, and we also and and he was kind to send us all his manuscripts and articles as soon as he had uh, written them and 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 so on. And um, so we developed a very good uh, relationship with uh, Emmanuel uh, through the years. And uh, I, the last visit I, I paid him was a few years before he, he died. He died in uh, 2001. Uh, and this was at a time when 2001 where it was a completely low ebb of, of interest in, in, uh, in, uh, in anti-imperialist uh, theory or in, in imperialist theory uh, at, at all. So, uh, and no one at that time was was interested in. There was very little interested in in uh, Emmanuel's work at, at the time. So when he he died, all his papers and leftovers and unpublished material went into went into a cellar actually, and no one uh, was interested in them. But recently, um, uh, to, together with uh, French and other people, we have. Uh, Get Essex to to his um, to his um, uh, leftovers uh, in uh, this cellar, and we have just gone through his uh, his uh, archive, and uh, we are in the process of, of making actually a digital uh, archive of of his uh, left uh, papers, and we will also establish a, a physical archive of of the, his papers because there have been a Huge interest actually in Emmanuel in, in uh, uh, again. So uh, that's kind of uh, of revival of of unequal exchange. I I think. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. I don't. Uh, again, I would just like to uh, reiterate. Um, me and all the other hosts of this particular podcast were in our mid to, to late twenties. Um, and I don't know if Emmanuel realized, or possibly you and your and the work that you did with the uh, with the, the Communist Working Group, um, that possibly 30, 40, even 50 years later, depending on what work was published, um, people like us would from all around the world uh, would uh, want to get access to these works. Uh, and I, up until having messaged um, to try to set up a, an interview with you, I didn't know that the digital archive even existed yet. Um, so that was very, very pleasant news to hear. Uh, but the, the work the work that you guys have done before and the work that you, you continue to do uh, is beyond incredibly valuable uh, for, for um, what I... I Hmm? Sorry, go on. Uh, it, it, it doesn't uh, exist yet. I mean, we, mm. we have just gone through the papers and we have took, took out, as, I, I think, four or 5,000 sheets, mm. which, is, which will be digitalized. And, and there's, there, there is a, there is an exchange, for instance, with the, uh, Patrice Lumumba, and there mm. is a, there is an exchange with Samir Amin and discussions with the uh, Samir Amin, and, mm. and and there are many interesting uh, 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 
documents uh, mm. which, which would be uh, useful. But I, uh, during the, uh, this year, uh, this uh, archive will will be uh, uh, published, and we hope to to establish the physical archive also. So we are looking for institutions uh, to to host it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, we wish you, of course, the best of luck in, in this work, and we very much look forward to being able to access these documents, both for historical interest as well as for modern analysis of, of imperialism. Um, I had another question that I would like you to to, uh, to get your thoughts on a bit. Um, the concept of labor aristocracy um, that d- differed in, its, in the ways it was formulated between, for example, the 60s up until today, do you think that it is a universal aspect of most imperial core, if not all imperial core countries, Western Europe, North America, uh, Japan, South Korea, uh, Australia, uh, or is it something that is unique to only the absolute quote-unquote wealthiest, for example, the United States and Scandinavian countries, Japan possibly? Uh, what is your opinion? Uh, well, I think it's... It, it's, it's, uh, it's uh... It's 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 more or less it, there there is a, a a difference between the countries you you mention in 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 what we can call the labor the labor historically how how thick the layer is and 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 also uh, I think the political consequences and 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 there is also uh, you can also say that 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 there is. Uh, what should we call uh, the Gulf state of Saudi Arabia, or 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 and uh, this kind of of the states? And there are also pockets in in America and in and in France, uh, which uh, with very poor uh, uh, people. So we have to to differentiate uh, 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 a little, but I I think in in the Scandinavian countries and maybe in in uh, Canada and, uh, and maybe in Germany and uh, in the Netherlands and uh, these kinds of of the of the of country, what we can call the labor aristocracy is totally uh, dominant uh, a, a feature. But but it's uh, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I I think that my my view of the labor aristocracy have uh, have d- developed uh, through the years. Uh, if you go back to Lenin and and his uh, description of the labor aristocracy, which was I think developed uh, in the years just before the, the First World War and 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 the split in the socialist uh, movement and the second international between communist and social uh, democrats and Lenin used the labor aristocracy uh, concept to to explain uh, the rise of the social democracy in uh, in uh, especially in uh, uh, germany and 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 he said that the reason for the rise of this uh, labor aristocracy was was imperialism but but in his more specific description of the labor aristocracy, it's it's the labor leaders and the leaders of the trade unions and 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 maybe a thin layer of of the working class uh, uh, as uh, as uh, 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 such, and and I think my 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 use uh, of the concept is, is is more deep and 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 more uh, uh, structural. I, I think that this split in the global uh, proletariat, you know, it was created in a long uh, process uh, uh, in parallel with that, with unequal uh, exchange. You know, this super exploitation of the proletariat in in the in the uh, periphery and the and 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 the raising wages uh, starting. Um, in the second half of the 19th century in uh, England and later Germany and Scandinavian and Northwestern uh, uh, Europe. And it especially, I think, developed uh, after the Second World War with the, with the capitalist uh, welfare state and, 
and the rise of, of especially the social democracy in in uh, in uh, in uh, Europe. Recently, I think there have also been uh, uh, two uh, 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 one German called Ulrich Brand and an uh, Austrian called Markus Dissen. Um, had developed this concept of imperial mode of uh, of uh, living, which is the way uh, the the broad masses uh, live in the in the imperialist uh, center, and it's the, impo- the imperial mode of living is a kind of consumption uh, patterns which include both economic and ecological uh, uh, all unequal exchanges. It, it's a way of of the uh, of of the living, it's a it's a normalizing in daily acts of production and uh, consumption, um, uh, this exploitation and and keeping the the violent uh, character of the imperialism as at the distance. It's not only the consumption of of the cheap consumer goods and and the foods. It's also the infrastructure which is underlying every day of life, to the way of transport and telecommunication, uh, which which uh, relies heavily on also material uh, uh, flows from abroad, what we can call unequal exchange, that we can only fly the skies and use energy and resources the way we do because the rest of the world uh, do not do it or cannot do it. Uh, in the same way. So I think this uh, imperial mode of, of living, it's also a good way to to describe um, the labor aristocracy. It's, it's, it's less uh, moralistic and, and uh, it, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like treason and corruption. It's a kind of structural way how, how uh, global capitalism is uh, functioning. Very lovely answer. Thank you for that. Uh, I would. Could you please uh, expand a bit on the political consequences, particularly of the labor aristocracy? Uh, well, um, I think we 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 can see it uh, uh, in 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 uh, in uh, today's uh, action and and how how uh, how uh, the population in uh, Europe and in North America are. Very keen on on uh, on supporting uh, uh, the NATO um, the NATO um, proxy war in uh, Ukraine, um, uh, and I think they 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 uh, they uh, support uh, NATO so much because they have this this uh, stomach feeling that uh, uh, NATO. Uh, is uh, is um, is essential for for upholding U.S. Uh, hegemony uh, in the world, and the U.S. Uh, hegemony uh, in the world is the condition for for our freedom and our uh, in quotation mark and and uh, our way of of uh, life. So this is actually. Uh, the reason behind the, the the supporter of of NATO, I I I don't think they they see that uh, that Russia would attack uh, Western Europe or or US, but it's essential to have um it's it's important for the US to have a system change in in in, uh, in Russia and in China to to uphold its uh, hegemony and. And uh, this is connected to to the imperial mode of, of the living. So that's why there is this huge support uh, for NATO in Europe uh, uh, at the moment. You mentioned briefly, um, uh, well, a former socialist power, uh, Russia now, which is, of course, a, a, a capitalist post-Soviet um, <laughs> nightmare state uh, in a way. Um, and then, of course, uh, modern China with its uh, self-described uh, socialism and Chinese characteristics. I was wondering, could you please uh, inform us, since you also lived through there, could you please inform us of the attitudes towards the analysis that you guys put forward or similar analysis 
um, within the former socialist powers, um, when the Soviet Union still existed, for example, did they take your work seriously? Did they contribute to it? Were there Soviet writers writing about these concepts, interacting with them, developing the analysis of modern imperialism this way? Or was it purely a um, effort from more niche corners of international Marxism? Well, imperialist uh, theory on on uh, imperialism had certainly not uh, been uh, developed by by the Soviet Union since uh, Lenin's day. They have kept to the orthodoxy of of uh, Lenin since uh, I think uh, China have uh, been contributing uh, uh, to it um, in 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 the seventy and and recently. For, 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 for the moment, there, there is a huge uh, amount of both uh, academic and, and, and political theoretical Marxism coming out of, of, uh, of Chinese uh, universities. There's a lot of interesting stuff also about unequal exchange coming out of, of the Chinese uh, un- universities uh, at, at, at the moment. There's a very, I think, diverse discussion in, in in the Chinese academic uh, about uh, Marxism. Of course, Cuba also contributed to to uh, the development of unequal uh, uh, exchange. And uh, yeah, so 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 that came a lot from from uh, different kinds of of the of the liberation struggles, uh, leaders of the liberation struggles, contributing uh, to it, but. But I think that that that, that I, I think the main problem with with there have been a a, a tendency to see the various uh, attempts to establish socialism uh, in the Soviet Union, China, Cuba, Vietnam, uh, South uh, Yemen, and Mozambique, Angola, and now Venezuela, and so on, uh, as 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 failures. Uh, which often, you know, shows the impossibility of the project on on one side and on the other side, the ability of capitalism to adjust and and survive on the other side. But but I think it's it's very important to remember that that capitalism is a historical mode of the production, uh, as all other modes of of the production, and it has a beginning and an end, and uh, the transition. From different forms of pre-capitalist mode to to capitalism took centuries, and I also see the transition from 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 socialism, uh, from capitalism to socialism, as a long uh, 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 process. And as capitalism uh, developed as a globalized uh, uh, process, the process of transition to socialism is also uh, global. However, it's not sudden and and uh, simultaneous uh, transformation. It will contains uh, of many uh, uh, many revolutions, and the struggle between capitalism and and socialism has reared back and forth since the nineteenth uh, 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 century. And uh, we have to see it in in uh, this uh, uh, as as a long uh, uh, process. And to add to this frustration, uh, pr- I think. There has also been a tendency to to demand the impossible, the realis- the realization of of socialist uh, ideals in a world where capitalism still have been a dominant economic and political uh, forces. I don't think that the that the communist movement has has managed to kind of develop a theoretical understanding which. Unite the ideals of, of uh, socialism with the practical attempts to try to construct them in a world where capitalism is still uh, dominant. And I think this have this have been a, a huge uh, problems. And sometimes these ideals have have acted like uh, like a drug that have uh, burdening the struggle for social change with extensive uh, expectations expectations and this intoxication uh, have now uh, given a way to a kind of of exhaustion and defeatism and um, and i think this is due to this uh, 
that you have uh, that you have uh, wanted the impossible here and and, uh, and now. And one of the tasks is to draw the conclusions from all this um, attempts to construct the. Uh, uh, socialism in the in the past and 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 turn a turn them into a strategy for the transition to to socialism in the in the coming years. Speaking of that particular point, very lovely answer, thank you. But speaking of that uh, particular point, what would be the uh, strategies in in that case for the modern left? Um, if you could. If you could entertain us with 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 the two sides, of course, uh, us, for example, in the imperial periphery, uh, and uh, on the flip side, people who are within the imperial core, for example, in uh, the U.S. or in Denmark, for example, uh, what should the strategies be, in your opinion, at least, or what do you think would be more successful than what we've been trying? Sure, um, I think when when you want to make a strategy, uh, as, as I have, I have written a book about it. I, I think it's very, um, it's, it's very important to intensify what is the principal, uh, contradiction in the world system because that principal contradictions, uh, determines, uh, the future of local and regional, uh, contradictions to a very big, uh, extent. Of course, there is a feedback and, and and, and so on, and the principal contradiction also changes. Uh, it, it's it's not uh, static, but but it's very important, I think, to to uh, to uh, to identify the the principal uh, contradiction. And and for me, at, at at this moment now, I see that the principal contradiction in the world is between. The decline of U.S. Uh, hegemony, which I think is uh, going rather speedily at the moment, and on the other side, the rise of of uh, China and its attempt to to construct a more multi-polar uh, 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 world uh, system. Um, I, th- I, th- I think this is uh, this is the most uh, important uh, uh, contradiction, and this have uh, these have huge uh, consequences. I, I, I think what we see at the moment is a collapse of the, of the of globalized capitalism as it has been uh, developed in the past uh, 40 years during neoliberalism. Uh, um, we see that 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 this uh, that this uh, global capitalism is is uh, is uh, falling uh, apart. Uh, before we we have this uh, liberal uh, trade regime. Now we now uh, trade is used uh, as a weapon. Still more countries are uh, there. There are all kinds of of, uh, of measures to to uh, to. Uh, not trading with Iran, not trading with Venezuela, not trading with the China, not trading with the Soviet Union, all kinds of, of the political and economical um, punishment, which which is uh, which is uh, breaking down this uh, this world system, which was essential for for uh, for uh, uh, capitalism, and, and this is a very serious um, uh, breakdown. For, for transnational uh, capital, they have built this uh, liberal uh, global trade, and they have constructed this uh, um, globalized production uh, uh, chains, which which are which are are now in uh, in uh, uh, in the in a breakdown, and and we also see that. That, that there's a decline in the use of dollars in, in uh, as a world money. We see institutions like like uh, the World Bank and IMF. There's uh, suddenly alternatives uh, created by uh, China and the and the BRICS. So we have see we will see a division of the of the of the. Uh, uh, global market which have not uh, existed uh, before and and actually it is it it, it is us who is uh, killing the golden goose which have laid gold eggs for the last uh, 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 
40 years. And on mm. the other side, we, we, we see uh, the rise of, of, uh, of the China, and China is turning away from economy based uh, primarily on export to a more uh, 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 national circulation. And we have seen a rise in, in Chinese uh, wage. They have tripled in the last uh, 10 years to to uh, to make a huge national uh, consumption, which is also a decline actually in the unequal exchange between China and Europe and, and, and the US. So actually, I think for the moment, uh, capitalism is actually cutting over the pipes which which have uh, which have transferred the value from from the global south uh, to to the north. Uh, at least these uh, pipes are damaging at at the moment, and this is this is the effect we see uh, with the rising uh, economic. Um, uh, Crisis. So I think we are into a very, very uh, dramatic uh, period. And and uh, and but on the other side, this uh, if we will create this more multipolar world, I think it will it will create a, a space for social movement and, and also countries trying to develop uh, socialism and. They will got, got more space to to uh, expand and to uh, strengthen. Like we had this uh, balance also during the, the the Cold War in the 60s, the balance between U.S. and and uh, and the Soviet Union made space for for the Third World uh, Liberation Movement. It was incredible that that um, uh, rebel armies with with handguns could take the power in. In uh, Africa and 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 also the the Palestinians, which also with with handouts, uh, uh, what's a strong force in in Palestine and in the Middle East, and I I think we will now we will see um, uh, a similar possibility because we will have this balance between mainly U.S. and and China, and this will will open a space for. For a new, for a new socialist movement, the big danger is that that it will that it will turn into um, a third world war, which could end with a, a nuclear war, and and this is the this is the this is the big uh, danger. So therefore, I think coming back to your answer, therefore, I I, I think that the on one side, I think. Even if you don't like China, even if China co cooperates with, with systems that you don't like, I think that support for a multipolar world system and not a support for the for continued uh, world uh, U.S. hegemony is very important. So I think one should support uh, the, this uh, multipolar uh, world system, and and also of course this implies that you should. Uh, struggle for for peace. You should struggle for not no more weapons. You should uh, struggle for not use of nuclear weapons and against war and imperialist uh, interference in the world. This is a very task, very important task. I think, and in this aspect, it's important to mobilize very broad uh, sectors because it's possible to mobilize even the. Even the so-called labor aristocracy against war, because it will, it will, um, it will cost them dearly, uh, and also because the, the armament, uh, the big uh, spending for for arms is, is also, uh, it's also less money for their welfare state. So you actually, I think you can mobilize people uh, against this. Uh, this uh, war uh, effort and, and uh, yes, mm, mm. so uh, this is I, I think one. So I and the multi-polar state and uh, the multi-polar world. I think so of course you should support um, uh, any country which which uh, are, are trying to, to develop socialism and 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 and, and also. Socialist movement in the third world, and this also, I think, include the 
the the the class struggle in China uh, itself, but in but but in uh, but in supporting uh, the working class in uh, in China in their class struggle, you have to be very curious, uh, very uh, no very, very uh, you you have to be not to support. Uh, a, a kind of of the liberal uh, struggle, which will end up with with the support for the U.S. and and, and uh, in uh, in uh, China. So you have to be very careful uh, when you choose your partner in the class struggle in uh, in uh, China to be sure that they are on the right side. Yeah. I think we can finish off with with two questions. Um, the the first one will be a question specifically about the anti-war aspect, and then the second will be about your particular work uh, going to the future. Uh, but with the first question, um, the anti-war aspect of, um, or I, I, more explicitly, the anti-imperialist uh, angle of this analysis. It's more political than it is economic, really, because it gives us the hope that we can support these third world third world movements uh, trying to build socialism in the imperial periphery. Um, but how do you think we can best go about convincing a labor aristocracy, for example, of uh, or countries in which there are a larger percentage of the population by proportion? How do you think we can best get them riled up to support anti-war movements instead. For example, in the United States, which is he- heavily militaristic and still wants to continue its warmongering tradition, um, in your opinion, at least. Uh, how, yeah, I, 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 I don't think you can convince them uh, uh, with, with the anti-imperialist uh, arguments because they, they are they are they are mostly concerned with upholding their their imperial mode of uh, living, uh, I think. So in the first instance, uh, they will defend uh, this. But but I, I I think that 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 war, that uh, especially in nuclear war, is a threat to everybody. So you can <laughs> so uh, so this is a the threat of of the use of of the. Of the nuclear weapons, I, I think you can uh, support very broad uh, uh, sectors, and and I also think that that you can you can support them uh, or you can mobilize them because they can see that that billions uh, spent on on uh, on armament is less money spent on on uh, on uh, healthcare and uh, yeah on 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 soft. Uh, Areas. This this you can uh, mobilize uh, them on, but yeah. I think that that um, what is going on now is going to be a long and deep economic uh, crisis. And of course, in the longer perspective, the deeper this uh, crisis, this economic uh, uh, crisis is, and the longer uh, it is, the more critical they will be towards. Uh, Towards uh, capitalism, and, and, and in and in uh, in a decade or with with this kind of of, uh, of uh, deepening economic uh, uh, problems, uh, a revolutionary situation can occur in in our part of the world uh, again. Uh, I I think we were very I think we were very too much optimistic. Uh, in the 60s and the 70s, that the liberation movement could could, could cut the pipelines of the imperialism, and um, because that at that time capitalism was actually very strong and had a lot of possibilities for development. But I think that the situation is is very different now because uh, I, I I think like the late Wallerstein that that. Uh, Capitalism is in its uh, end game. It 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 uh, has very big uh, problems uh, with the uh, with the climate and ecological. Uh, it has very big uh, structural economic uh, uh, problems, which we are seeing in in the development now. And and as I see it, um, 
US is is uh, is is, is uh, destroying this world market, which is uh, it's uh, depending on. There's also the the huge uh, uh, bubble of the of the debt, which which can uh, blow up in in a huge uh, breakdown of the financial system. There's a lot of of big uh, problems for uh, uh, capitalism at at the moment. And on the other side, we have this. In if you go back to to the sixties and the seventies, even if the Soviet Union was a balancing uh, force, it was already at that time uh, a rather weak force uh, from the economic uh, perspective. The situation is 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 uh, different now. China is not a weak uh, force. It have uh, advanced uh, technology. It's the biggest industrial power. It's the biggest. Uh, um, uh, um, the biggest power in the world trade and and, and so on. So so the uh, capitalism is is uh, in the end game. Uh, I I think so. Many things can change very quickly um, uh, in the coming uh, decades. Mm. Inshallah, as we say in Arabic. <laughs> uh, um, I would like to to finish off with one final question. This is uh, from my my personal interest the most, I guess, uh, rather than the readers. And that's uh, I I like all, I've loved all the work that you've written and published. Uh, I own all of it. I've read all of it. I've annotated it plenty, uh, and I hope to popular not populate uh, popularize. Excuse me, uh, this work even further through my own uh, outlets uh, as, as I have on youtube and of course this podcast along with my co-hosts but i'm wondering what is do you have any more work in progress other books that you're writing any manuscripts you're currently working on yes yes uh, i have this uh, I've, i have i have just uh, finished a book about uh, the long transition from uh, capitalism to socialism and the end game of, of, uh, of uh, capitalism which uh, I think will come out um, late spring or early uh, summer, mm. uh, I think. And then I'm working on, on a paper about uh, the relevance of uh, Emmanuel um, uh, today and his uh, thinking uh, today, which I hope to... Actually, we, we hope to, to uh, when we have established this uh, physical archive uh, of Emmanuel's papers, we plan to hold a, a, a conference on unequal uh, exchange. So, mm. um, and this is a paper for, for, the, for, the, for this, uh, for this uh, uh, conference. Yeah? Uh, I was going to ask where where best can people find your your books to buy them or to read them. Where best can people find your articles? Uh, I have uh, there's a there's a website called Anti-Imperialist uh, Net. Uh, I think uh, where some of my articles uh, are, and mm. then in I think there's a outlet called New Left Books. If you live in America. Mm, where mm, my mm. books can can uh, be uh, bought, or also uh, people can, if 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 they live in in Europe or in, in the third world, you can write an email to me, and and I, and I can send the, the books. I I have a stock of my books here in uh, Copenhagen, so it's mm. just my name and um, and uh, Gmail. Come, you can uh, you can write. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to join us today for, for this interview. Um, I'm sure our listeners have learned uh, a lot, uh, and uh, hopefully this has also uh, increased the interest uh, in, in your work and relevant works on the, 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 the topics that we've covered so that people will do their research, because as Alan said, without revolutionary theory, there can be no revolutionary movement. Uh, and at the forefront of our economic analysis at this point is the work that you and your colleagues and people you've interacted with uh, have been doing. Yeah, I just want to extend the, this, uh, the, this immense gratitude I have as a young Marxist uh, to... Uh, the people who came, who are with us, who came before us, uh, who are still fighting the good fight. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you and hope to talk with you again sometime in the future. Yes, likewise. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>